You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thank you for joining me on The Partner Podcast. This podcast is focused on giving law firm partners useful and relevant information that will help them improve in their lives, grow their practices, and get more business. In a law firm environment, you have a myriad of relationships to manage. Besides the client relationships, you have relationships with fellow partners, prospective partners, associates, leadership, and support staff. So along the way, it's guaranteed that at some point you'll have conflict. In today's show, we learn about communicating through conflict, thinking yes. Our guest is Jean Stafford. Jean is a professional speaker and communications trainer where she transforms teams at work and at home. Jean's mission is to help you find greater joy at work and in life by arming you with usable and compelling communication skills. She wants a room full of people to leave stronger, lighter, and more powerful than when she found it. Jean's goal for everyone is transformation. The science and foundation behind the creation of a funny scene, giving and saying yes to every space you enter, became the metaphor for the life she wanted to live, listening, accepting without judgment, and building. The beginning of Jean's career included over 15 years as a political fundraiser, working on the campaigns of presidents, governors, and a mayor. She's fanatical about staying informed and exercising your right to use your voice. She serves on nonprofit boards in education and the arts and learned that asking people for money is an arduous task and one that can only be done by pathologically optimism, driven by a passion for what that person is selling. And in today's show, Jean shares some insights, ideas, and action steps on how you can become a better communicator, especially in the area of conflict. And I've got with me on the podcast today, Jean Stafford, who's a close friend, who is an author and a consultant. She's the president of Stafford & Company. And today we're going to talk about communicating through conflict, thinking yes. Jean, thanks for joining me on the show today. My pleasure, Scott. Pleasure to be with you. So, you, Jean, you've got a really interesting background. It's the kind of background that if I were to read some amazing, fictitious novel protagonist, that would have your experience in there somewhere. So why don't you give us a 30-second overview about what you've done and what has led you to the work that you're doing today? Oh, thank you for that. What a fantastic introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my career, my first career ever was as a political fundraiser. I worked on campaigns for presidents. I met and worked on many campaigns for our beloved George H.W. Bush. Mm. I worked on the Reagan Bush campaign and uh, many different campaigns around the country for many years. And then I met a popular candidate in New York City and ended up working for Rudy Giuliani for seven years. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that is how it all began for me. That is the beginnings of my work and career. And the um, basis of my work really brought me back to work after eight years of being home with my children was my my ability to coach people to convey their absolute immeasurable joy for their work and optimism and their strength. And it comes from my training 
more than 2,000 hours of training as a comedy improviser. Mm. Yeah, a hobby I started in 1998 has really become the foundation that is the basis of my training and my coaching with clients and audiences. So, so that, wait a minute. So you're saying you were a rock star in the political world, the world of people who are buttoned down and highly professional, and you're telling me that improv comedy was the conduit to what you're doing today. Is that correct? I am indeed. Yes, rock star. <laughs> I like that very much, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so so come on. We're talking to uh, sharp, risk-averse, partner-level attorneys. I can hear half of them folding their arms right now saying, what can I learn from somebody that teaches improv? Yes, and I know you and I know your story, but how would you say, what, what's the nexus between the lessons that politics taught you and what improv has taught you and how can they help people get to, to improve their communication skills? Mm. Well, politics taught me to be an agile communicator to learn to make very fast decisions and to, I watched candidates invest in people they trusted and I learned to do the same. You have none of the luxuries you have in the private sector where you can move a date, you can move a meeting, you can move a, a, you know the due date of a, of a big uh, event. In politics, you have one deadline, it's called election day. Right. And things change. We're, we're watching it now on high speed for the past few years in the political world, but it's always existed. And so I told people that my 15 years in politics trained me to move very, very quickly, so much so that I become impatient with mm. situations where I can see somebody spending much too much time overthinking, over planning and forgetting it's time to take a leap. So that's what those two worlds taught me. Comedy improvisers walk onto a stage without a script. They are there with another human and they've received a suggestion from the audience and they need to move quickly with an ingredient and, and deliver a scene. They are to say yes, to incorporate and, to avoid no, and but, and questions. And that creates momentum. So in a nutshell, a comedy improviser and a political human, anybody who works in politics, need to move quickly and they need to move with momentum. And the people around them need to be inspired to move at the same speed. So that's where those two worlds come together. And that is where my training helps my curious listener. And that's most of my clients and audiences are very curious. Well, you know, how do I bring this together? And that's what I tell that buttoned up crew. I'm pretty buttoned up. I'm I'm a lot of things, and I am. I come at this from from two worlds. And what I uncover in the people I work with is that many people are two things, are three things, are four things. So that's how I lead people to success: to understand how and when to imbue those special skills they have. Well, that's interesting because when you think of somebody that's working in a big law firm, he or she is a partner. And they've got, let's say, uh, four different relationships. They've got the relationship with their client. They've got the relationship with their peers. They have the relationship with subordinate employees. And they've also got those personal and family relationships that they have to manage. And in all those, they have to learn how to be exceptional communicators. How can someone become an agile communicator? And I like that word. I think that's a perfect word. 
think of a partner that's not necessarily on the stand or asking questions and cross-examination, but most of them, they're spending their time on the phone talking to their clients or even talking to a prospective client. What would be some insights that you've learned from improv? What are a couple of uh, action steps someone listening today can take what you've learned and incorporate that in their day-to-day life? Mm. An improviser and any professional who lives two lives, right? That all of my work is interpersonal communication. They learn to be alive in the space. Mm-hmm. So uh, brilliant attorneys and professionals learn are, are have tons of content, right? We don't need any more content. We're all real, real smart people and we have enough content. Right. The training that, just to give one example, we are judgment and humans, people, right? Beings. We we judge. We judge ourselves and we judge others. We judge the situation. We judge a probable outcome. So one of eight steps is to move, to be, become so aware of when you're experiencing judgment that you stop yourself. And what do you mean by that exactly? When you're experiencing it as in when you're judging people or when people are judging you or something else? We uh, give you an example of a client who had to get on the phone with a uh, a client of mine who had to get on the phone with a client of his, and he worked for a uh, he he owned a pharmaceutical company, mm-hmm. and the science for delivering a certain product was backlogged, and his team delivered the bad news, and now he had to deliver it to the pharmaceutical uh, client, and. He learned what was stopping him from having the phone call was he predicted how angry the client would be. He predicted what would go wrong in the call before having it. Right. So the next step, once you realize you're experiencing judgment, is that so judgment is the mental state of being stuck. Hmm. And we can all move ourselves from judgment and being stuck to intention and achieving momentum. So judgment is this guy's going to be mad. I'm disappointed. I've got all these horrible judgments about my team and judgments about what this guy's going to say. So intention, when we listed what the intentions were, what is the intention to continue with this client and then to remember what's already happened with the client? What's happened with the client? Trust. We've had success together. He's also had bad days, right? Your client has also had things go wrong. Your client has many calls that happen before the call you're about to make and many calls that happen after. How can you be uniquely full of momentum so that your client can't wait to have a conversation again? So the improv piece here, the idea of saying yes is to, in your head, list everything that goes right before you even take the call. List everything that will will happen in the future, everything you enjoy with the person. We get into specifics, but in a nutshell, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that I'm just thinking that that kind of gives you an emotional buffer, an emotional reserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And less thinking it through. So when we when we put the things in the column, say, all right, right now I'm having a judgment. This is the time, to, perfect time to stop myself, right? To keep it simple and to keep it in a nutshell. And right now I'm having a judgment. I'm having a judgment about my team. What's really happening here is I want to deliver something for my client. So I get on the phone. I say. It's my intention to see this through. It's my intention to solve this problem. And it's my intention to have you as a client forever. 
this is the road we're going to take. It's not the one we originally envisioned. Confident we're going to get there. I'm citing the reasons we're not there yet. And this is where we see things going, right? What we all need to remember is when we communicate to the people we work with that way, we alleviate stress from them, right? Because the other people we're having conversations with aren't necessarily communicating momentum. Mm. They're communicating problems. In intention, you are, you're, you're communicating your strength. And that's what everybody invests in us for, our strength. How are we going to plow through this conflict? So what have you seen from your experience in dealing with professionals and they've got to communicate this conflict? What are the impediments? What is it that keeps them from being effective at doing so? A habit of repeating the problem, a habit of noticing the problem and repeating that it is a problem. A general counsel at a media company in New York City that I presented to last March hit me with a real big problem he was having. And the thing that fascinated me most was that probably a dozen of his employees were sitting in the audience. I was proud of his boldness to say it out loud. So he said, one of the things I loathe the most are the number of emails I receive with an exclamation point on it, citing urgent response, urgent problem. I need a response immediately. And he said, to be honest, I spend 70% of my week reacting to urgent You know, I I need you right away. And I asked him how long it had been going on. It was more than a year. So I asked him what he wanted. And he said, I want to spend more time getting my work done. I want to spend more time creating things. I want to spend more time building, right? But, But I'm always reacting. I'm always reacting. And my team seems only to know how to communicate with me that way. So right there live, I asked him what he loved most about a meeting. And he said... that they're brief. So we created a brief 15-minute meeting on Tuesday. I'll just just go quickly through the the steps. A brief 15-minute meeting on Tuesdays, which was the day he enjoyed uh, speaking to people, uh, standing, standing. And at that meeting, he said what he planned on getting done in the week, and he wanted to hear what people needed, right? So in the beginning, the first month was learning this new pattern of communication. And after a month, he found a a massive decrease in the number of emerging emails. And his staff learned, his, his team learned about how he communicated more. What he found was that the live communication was missing. And that's why emails were substituting for that kind of communication. How did that improve for him and his ability to get things done? He was using his voice clearly in person. And what happens with a lot of companies and a lot of firms and a lot of us who spend so much time in front of a computer, we substitute it for the live voice, right? And we think if we have a meeting, it has to be an hour. It's not true. Right. We can have standing meetings. We can have meetings that are identified as 10 minutes. You know, literally every week, almost a formula, you know, it's going to be led by Bob. Bob's going to speak for five minutes about what the plan is for the week and then take questions. And then the last five minutes of the meeting are going to be planned for the week. I'm just giving you an example of something anybody could create for themselves. So that's how I find people move forward, that when we're live, we learn a lot more about each other and ourselves and we spend a lot less time in conflict. 
So tell me about the different things that you do when you're working with law firms, trade associations, individual professionals. Tell me what's kind of the menu list of offerings that you offer and what are some of the focus areas that you focus on when working with people? Mm-hmm. I do a number of things. I do a workshop called the Yes Words Communication Workshop, and it is it can be three hours, it can be four hours. In the beginning, the participants are engaged in improv exercises, which are real fun and, and they're designed to get everybody out of their head. And then I break down how they're feeling. You know, how's this feel? What, what some people are uncomfortable, some people are totally in a state of joy and fun and they're out of their heads and they start to identify how they are quote unquote in the space quickly out of their heads. And then we move from, from that identifying the, what I call the yes in all of us to Mm -hmm. the momentum, right? So we move in a much longer period of time through what I mentioned in the beginning of the call, how to move from stuck to achieving momentum. And the focus on this, again, is to mindfully shrink our time in conflict every single time we're having any interaction with anybody. I'm talking about pulling away from Starbucks with the wrong coffee. I'm talking about getting home and your teenager is mindlessly spending too much time in front of their video game. Right. Um, you know, all of these struggles, the, re- the repetition of the same problems. So we identify them and we really leave with a list of, of success, you know, ways to create a discipline, a practice, and to understand patience is needed to have this kind of success. That's so, great. Yeah. That's great. So tell me about your book, Think, oh. Drink, Eat, Move, Four Steps to Yes. I ordered it and my wife took it from me. So I'm, <laughs> I get it back, I'm going to read it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, I wrote it because I was asked to write it. So I started speaking and coaching in 2011. And something would happen to me when I got off the stage. People would ask me about my own habits at home. How did I, did I meditate? Did I exercise? And, and uh, you know, what kind of foods did I eat? And I always found it strange that such personal questions would be asked. And I ignored it for a long period of time. And then I learned to literally say yes to these offers and these spaces with people. And I wrote a book that addresses how all of us can focus on our inner strength and focus on a simple devotion to our routine and rituals. So it's named Think, Drink, Eat, Move, Four Steps to Yes, because I believe when we mindfully pay attention to how we think, drink, eat, and move every single day, we achieve greater success in our lives. That's great. That's great. Home and everywhere. So I'm hoping your wife is enjoying it. Well, I can't wait to read it. How can somebody order your book and what are some of the other ways people can reach you if they wanted to talk to you or have you come into their uh, legal trade association or even their law firm retreat where you do some of your agile communication and conflict training? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, people can purchase my book on Amazon and uh, it's under my name, Jean M. Stafford, and the um, book is under Think, Drink, Eat, Move, Four Steps to Yes. And they can reach out to me at my email, Jean, J-E-A-N-N-E, at jeanmstafford.com. 
and schedule time on the phone to ask questions about some of the workshops I offer and the speaking. And to be honest, Scott, I have no problem at all with someone giving me a ring. And I I really, uh, I love to remind people how valuable it is to pick up the phone sometimes and simply to say what we want by using our voices. And I I love it when I'm called and I, I know that I experience when I reach out to someone I want to do something with and I call them, they absolutely love it. So my phone number, it's 516-314-7000. That's great. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll put the link to your book and also your website link and your email. And so before we go, tell us, you've written your book, you're consulting, you're doing some high-level coaching and speaking. What's next for Gene Stafford? Mm, well, 2019 is going to be spent on the road doing a lot of book promotion. I have some divine clients, um, one with a, a number of European entities, and I'm helping to design some communication strategies to help her increase her American audience. And um, my second book will be out in the fall of 2019. So I have a real busy couple of months ahead oh, of me. I'm very excited about Well, that's exciting. Thanks so much for taking the time on the show today and for all your great insight. And I know that we'll have you back on here probably talking about your next book at some point, Jean. Thanks so much today. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.